0: Hello, welcome to Which Witch Is Which, a pop culture podcast about ladies who use magic. I'm Derek,
1: and I'm Regina. Happy New Year, Derek.
0: Happy New Year, Regina. Welcome to the year 2017.
1: 2017. We took a little break, and now we're here to take Which Witch Is Which into space—the
0: final frontier.
1: Except we're not talking about Star Trek this time, Derek. Why don't you start us off? Who is the witch that you're bringing to the table today?
0: The witch I would like to talk about is Leia Organa from the Star Wars franchise. Leia Organa was the princess of the royal family of Alderaan, a member of the Imperial Senate, and leader of the Rebel Alliance or resistance, or whatever you want to call it. When they talk about the wars in Star Wars, one of the two sides is usually being commanded by Leia Organa. Her twin brother Luke transforms from whiny farm boy to revered war hero through Leia's intervention. Uh, She overcomes the genocide of her people with a stiff upper lip and a newfound joie de vivre to take down the militaristic empire, unite the galaxy in peace, and befriend a race of teddy bear-sized warriors, all while making tough guy Han Solo look like a soft, little baby bird Governor Tuck. i should have expected to find you holding vader's leash i recognized your foul stench when i was brought on board
1: awesome so let's talk about the ways in which she's a witch the first law of witchiness is that the witch in question identifies as female does leia organa identify as female
0: so Leia is THE female of the original Star Wars trilogy, and largely considered to be the ultimate female of science fiction and fantasy at large. She starts off the original Star Wars film, A New Hope, as a typical damsel in distress, with the fresh-faced knight and the arrogant rogue aiming to rescue her from her captors for pretty stereotypical reasons. But once they find Leia, she quickly takes charge as the chief military strategist of a revolutionary army. I think there are only three women with speaking parts in the whole original Star Wars trilogy, and Leia is the only one with more than like three scenes. When you're talking about Star Wars and female, you are invariably talking about Leia.
1: That's one of the things that I really enjoy about Leia is that she takes this damsel in distress role and really turns it on its head as soon as she's picked up by the two gentlemen, Luke and Han, she is a much better shot with that laser pistol. It's a lot of fun. She really takes charge, and I like that about her because that's what she would do as a woman in a position of power in the Senate, in her world, so... Go ahead, Leia. I
0: always loved, it's not her first appearance in the film, but like the sort of stereotypical princess rescuing moment mm-hmm. when Luke runs into her prison cell and is like, oh, Princess Leia. And she immediately just like sits up in her ramshackle prison bed and just sort of shrugs her shoulders and is like, eh, aren't you a little short to be a stormtrooper? She's giving him sass. And she's I like, love the I'm sass. sick of your BS. And he's like, oh, no, I'm a good guy. And she's like, sure you are. You're a punk kid. Meh. Meh. Like she's yep. already sassy and dumb. With this. She's like, I don't care about your crap.
1: Yeah, I feel like when you're a lady and and you're living under the control of an empire, you gotta have a little sass to get you through the day. So I'm really interested in what you're going to say about the next law of witchiness, which is does the witch in question practice magic? Tell me, Derek, how does Leia Organa practice magic?
0: Leia is sensitive to the Force, which is the Star Wars equivalent of magic. While they play fast and loose with what the Force actually is, it basically boils down to a genetic predisposition for telekinesis and telepathy. So the Jedi and the Sith are all just a bunch of Jean Greys from X-Men, only they have laser swords. While she isn't trained in the Force the same way her brother Luke is, as she was busy leading a galactic revolution while he was off in a swamp standing on his head with a crotchety muppet, we do see a few examples of her latent force abilities. She senses that Luke is still alive, despite the Death Star exploding with him supposedly inside of it. And in The Force Awakens, spoilers, spoilers, skip ahead 10 seconds if you haven't seen The Force Awakens yet, uh, she instantly feels the death of her husband, Han Solo, despite being nowhere near that particular battle. In a novel that was released after The Force Awakens and deemed part of the newly revised canon by Lucasfilm and J.J. Abrams, Leia is seen piloting Han Solo's ship, the Millennium Falcon, and she can feel the other ships and space debris around the ship, allowing her to avoid collision.
1: Yeah, I think it's always been, if if not officially canon, at least fan canon, that Leia is force sensitive and probably ha- would have the potential to be a really powerful Jedi should she undertake that training.
0: Yeah, in the pre-2015 uh, extended universe, Leia had actually trained in the Force after Return of the Jedi. She had trained with Luke. She was a full-on Force user in that chronology of Star Wars. All of that was wiped out shortly after Disney acquired Lucasfilm and decided they were going to do more movies. They were like, okay, all those stories don't count anymore. And so like 30 years of novels and comic books were wiped out. So... So we are now in a new canon, which includes Force Awakens and the current Marvel run of comics. And in those, she's still Force-sensitive, but she never trained in it.
1: Right. I want to bring it back to the lightsabers really quick, because that's a part of this mythos that I really enjoy, is that the lightsaber is something that a Jedi needs to assemble and create his or herself so, the Jedi needs to acquire a Kyber crystal and then assemble his or her lightsaber as part of their training as a Jedi. And that's uh, its own type of magic practice because you're taking these pieces and creating what is, what could be considered a magical implement. And the properties of the crystal determine the color of the lightsaber and all of this stuff. And I just find it, I just find it like a really cool little nugget of mythos around the Jedi that really feels like something magical.
0: Yeah, and that's part of what keeps bothering me as they do all the press for Rogue One that came out at the end of last year. People keep being like, oh, she doesn't use a lightsaber. What a lame Star Wars. And it's like, no, she's like a military type person. Of course she doesn't have a lightsaber. Only this like religious cults get to use lightsabers because they have to hand build them.
1: Exactly. So
0: I I think it's better that she doesn't have a lightsaber. She has a staff that's awesome. She's like Donatello in Ninja Turtles. He was awesome with that bow staff.
1: Also, the best Ninja Turtle, arguably. He was the best
0: Ninja Turtle. So,
1: the next law of witchiness is that the witch in question practices feminism. How does Leia Organa practice feminism?
0: So, Leia as a feminist icon is a well-documented and much-discussed topic in pop culture for probably both of our entire lives. Yes, she is in a position to be rescued a few times, one time in an unfortunately iconic metal bikini and chains But in each of those instances, she played instrumental roles in her release and the downfall of her captors. She fired on the stormtroopers and opened the garbage chute as an escape route when Luke and Han were pinned down by enemy fire, and she strangled Jabba the Hutt to death with her own chains. Plus, she was only captured by Jabba because she was trying to rescue the bad boy heartthrob Han Solo, who went and got himself turned into a coffee table. (laughs) When Vader threatens to destroy her planet unless Leia gives up the location of the rebel base, she says, Hey! you, Wookiee Breath, the revolution will never die. And rather than mourn the loss of her parents and her whole dang planet, she takes it to the front lines and fights the good fight. Leia is one of the precious few female characters in the entire Star Wars film franchise, but she never really takes a back seat to the men. Instead, she's the one bossing them around and making sure everything they lost wasn't for nothing, and that they get to keep fighting for a better tomorrow.
1: Yeah, Leia is a really awesome feminist character. And- I always like to think of that scene where she strangles Jabba with the chains as a metaphor for-
0: The patriarchy. The
1: patriarchy, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, She, she takes the bonds that she is trapped by and uses them to defeat patriarchy, which is a giant slug man.
0: I always felt like Jabba was sort of the embodiment of all cat callers.
1: Yeah, that makes that scene so much more satisfying. He's
0: just this big, gross slug who's like, oh, ladies, dance <laughs> for me. I will eat pizza now. <laughs> la, 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 la. I may be confusing Jabba the Hutt with Pizza the <laughs> Hutt from Spaceballs, I realize.
1: Both are relevant. Both are relevant. What is relevant is the next law of witchiness, which is... Is the witch in question persecuted or misunderstood?
0: Yeah, the operative word people use to describe Leia most often is princess not senator or general, but princess, largely because they expect her to just kind of sit there quietly and be a figurehead that requires defending. People are constantly underestimating her because of that preconceived notion of what a princess should be. So it's kind of ironic that as royalty, she is somewhat looked down upon by the people who meet her. That prejudice doesn't last long though, as most people realize within one or two minutes of hanging out with Leia, whoa, this woman is in charge and I wanna go whatever way she is going. The only person who continues to give her a hard time, really, is Han Solo, and that's just his middle school crush way of telling her he likes her. Instead of pulling her pigtails, he sarcastically calls her "Your Highness" all the time.
1: Are you stuck up, half-witted, scruffy-looking nerf herder? She's constantly like, you know, they're oh, Your Highness, this or whatever, and she's like, you know what? I'm I've I've got to get all of these people out of this base before it explodes, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do that thing. So the last law of witchiness is that the witch in question be bonded to a Is Leia Organa bonded to a
0: Yeah, this is always the most complicated question for me. There is the whole force-sensitive thing. The force is a vague and nebulous concept, but one aspect of it is known as the living force and that is fed from the energies of all living things anywhere ever. The living force also then flows into something called the cosmic force, which is an even greater aspect of the force, and that is the part that allows force-sensitive people like Anakin, Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, and Yoda to keep appearing to people even after they die. So Leia is connected to the force. She is connected to those aspects of it, which are by some definitions also alive and therefore sentient. So kind of she is connected to it she just doesn't really pay much attention to it.
1: That's fair. And also yeah the whole notion of what the force actually is is much much debated and depends on how much you want to take the prequels as canon or as what they are. There there's kind of a lot of confusion that happens with what the force is when you look at those prequels versus the original trilogy versus how it's playing out now.
0: There's a lot that people hate about Phantom Menace in particular. I mean, take your pick. You've got Jar Jar Binks, annoying baby Anakin. But the thing that a lot of people attached to like ruining the sort of Star Wars mythos was the introduction of midichlorians, basically extra strong bits of iron in your blood, I guess, that make you able to use the force. It was dumb. I don't
1: don't even really know.
0: (laughs) It's basically just genetics at that point. It's similar to... Your theory about um, the witches in Harry Potter being similar to the X-Men in that Mm -hmm. it's just a gene. Mm -hmm. It's something in their blood that allows them to be magical. Just like Zatanna from Justice League, also genetically predisposed to magic.
1: And I do think that we've talked a little bit about how the Force, whether or not you're going to discount midichlorians, the Force-sensitive people have a genetic disposition to being able to access these powers.
0: Yeah, well, that's the whole thing with the Skywalker family. So Anakin, Darth Vader, is extremely powerful Jedi, and then his kids, Luke and Leia, are both Force-sensitive. Luke becomes the most powerful Jedi of his generation. Leia could have been just as powerful, but she never trained, and Luke kind of sucked at first, so maybe Leia would have been amazing later on if she had trained. Yep. And then Leia's son, Kylo Ren is like the most badass Jedi of his generation, and there's the theory that possibly Rey, again spoilers, uh, could be Luke's daughter. We don't know, we so just don't know. we'll we'll see how things play out in the next couple of Star Wars movies. But basically, it's just hey, look, the Skywalker bloodline sure is powerful with that Force.
1: Yep, sure is, and I think that. Any of the Skywalkers showing up at either the uh, Xavier School for Gifted Youngsters or Hogwarts would be pretty interesting.
0: Now I really want to see Leia hang out with Scott Summers. I feel like they would have a lot in common. You think so? I feel like they would have similar parental abandonment issues and similar, like, don't treat me a certain way, I want to be a strategist issues.
1: And also similar, I keep having all these random siblings pop up from nowhere. Where oh, issues? you're right.
0: Random sibling Random issues.
1: Random sibling issues, right?
0: Over the holiday, I reread X-Men Deadly Genesis where they introduced the third Summer's brother and wow. it's the most complicated and dumb story.
1: It is, in fact.
0: Anyway, this is not our X-Men issue. We should, we should move on. <laughs> okay, so that's enough of Leia and, as always, X-Men. Let's move on. <laughs> Regina Tell me about the space lady that you want to talk about. Who is your mysterious sci-fi outer space witch this week?
1: My space witch is... That
0: whole thing's your name, huh? Do you have a, a shorter name? Not short.
1: Also known as Lilu from the film The Fifth Element. Lilu is one of the supreme beings of the universe, sent to Earth in corporeal form to be the fifth element, which, when combined with the other four, would rid the world from a great evil. In 1914, a race of mechanized aliens created a temple on Earth to house the four element stones and the body of the fifth element. A priest holds the key to this temple in safekeeping for when the weapon will be needed. Cut to centuries later, when the elements are on their way back to Earth, the ship that they're on gets attacked. Only a few cells of the Supreme Being remain, but they're used to reconstruct her form. Lilu wakes up, freaks out, ends up falling through the roof of the cab Corbin Dallas is driving. A bunch of other stuff happens. Most of this film revolves around the interplay of Corbin the priest Cornelius and Lilu as they try to secure the weapon to fight the great evil.
0: Yeah, I love the fifth element. Such a interesting film, a really interesting movie. So, let's start with the first rule of witchiness. Does Lilu identify as female?
1: So, I'm going to say yes. Lilu identifies as female, but that's simply because of the reconstruction of her corporeal form being biologically female. I would argue that Lilu herself is kind of forced into a biologically female form because of patriarchy and male scientist dudes and their male gays. But for the sake of her witchiness, I'm down with her identifying as female. The fact is she's a supreme being and seems pretty ambivalent about her biological form. So I think she probably would, had she been given the choice identified as gender fluid. And I'm also gonna take this moment to talk a little bit about the cool gender things that happen in this movie. One of the really fun things is uh, this character Ruby Rod in the movie, who is a black man who dresses in what could be considered women's clothes. He has a very flamboyant and effeminate nature. He has a really high-pitched voice. But despite that, he also is portrayed as being very sexually attractive to women and um, very virile. He pleases a lot of ladies during the course of the film. And I think that that's really fun and kind of really progressive for when you think about the time in which this film came out. Here you have this man that would be, for all intents and purposes, considered really effeminate and his portrayal would be probably negative in any other context. And yet he is shown to be very much a ladies man and very much an interesting and positive figure. So I think that that's kind of cool. I mean, they kind of, they do a lot of cool things with gender in this film with Ruby Rod and what I would argue is Leeloo's gender fluidness. And it kind of falls apart towards the end of the film, but we'll get there. Anyway, the gender politics in this film are really interesting. For her witchiness sake, I would say, yes, Lilu identifies as female, but probably not at the same time.
0: Yeah, Lilu's a fascinating character, but Ruby Rod was clearly a fan favorite in that film. Ruby Rod is portrayed by Chris Tucker in what I can only imagine was pitched as, what if Prince was a talk show host in outer space? Yeah. And has the most spectacular over-the-top pompadour you could possibly imagine. It's like... No one can top it's it. It's like a tube that comes <laughs> several feet in front of his head. This, this blonde tube of hair coming forward. It's amazing. And yeah, that, that leopard print jumpsuit mm-hmm. is spectacular. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So moving on to the second rule of witchiness. Does Lilu practice magic? And if so, how?
1: So she doesn't practice magic until the very, very end of the film. Spoilers. When she decides to fulfill her role as the fifth element and become the weapon. That said, she does practice some pretty incredible magic, joining herself with the elements and destroying the great evil as a big old fireball.
0: Yeah, big old fireball. That's, yep. that's the way to end a movie. Yep.
1: Big old fireball. All right,
0: moving on to the third rule of witchiness. How does Leeloo demonstrate feminism, if at all?
1: So I would argue that Leeloo herself is a feminist character living in a world and a movie that aren't exactly feminist. She's an interesting female character in that she's incredibly powerful and wields that power with a nonchalance and grace. She's incredibly smart. She learns everything she needs to know about humanity in a very neo, I know kung fu kind of way. And she's very capable. Despite all of this, she's pretty infantilized in the movie. And Corbin, the big strong man, ends up taking care of her in many instances. In fact, at the end of the film, she's about to practice her witch potential and be the fifth element, and then she second guesses herself and starts to cry. It's only when Corbin tells her he loves her that she finds it in herself to do what she needs to do.
0: Yeah, that's the part of the movie that bothers me the most, the fact that she sort of looks to Bruce Willis to be like, is it okay? Can I do this?
1: Ultimately, she is the one who saves the world, but the implication there is that the big, strong white dude needs to help her along. And I'm not even going to get into the outfits and the male gaze thing happening throughout the movie.
0: That's sort of a really unfortunate trend in science fiction. The whole, this this movie is primarily targeted at teenage boys and therefore let's put some scantily clad women in here just, just to keep selling tickets. I mean, maybe it's just I had a very fortunate upbringing in that the majority of people I knew growing up who were really into sci-fi were badass ladies. And so it always really bothers me when great science fiction has unnecessarily sexualized female characters
1: for sure we're going to get into that with the next law
0: oh yes anyway speaking of the fourth law of witchiness is that the witch in question be persecuted or misunderstood can you tell me how is lilu misunderstood or persecuted
1: So she's definitely misunderstood by Corbin Dallas in many ways.
0: The taxi driver played by Bruce Willis, who for some reason is the hero of the movie.
1: Correct. Especially in the beginning when he views her as a delicate flower. And she is in fact a supreme being. She's chased by the police and the scientists. Lots of people are out to kill her because she's the supreme being. There's also Zorg who is both terrible and awesome. And he shoots her and leaves her for dead And it's the brutality that she witnesses, which is part of the reason why she hesitates to protect humanity when that was her original purpose. And she learned all of the history of the world in that, like, you know, I'm going to upload all of the history of the world into my brain thing. You would think that she probably would have seen a couple of really crazy wars and a lot of brutality that seems unjustified. It seems to me a little suspect that Zorg is going to be the thing that makes her feel like, mm, I don't know, humanity maybe not.
0: Yeah, you should never trust Gary Oldman in any movie ever. Oh,
1: that is that is what we have learned. She's a supreme being and people don't treat her that way.
0: It does seem like a trope in fiction for like supreme beings to come to the mortal plane and be so fresh and new and unsure of their place because of the sudden transformation that they just kind of seem infantilized and dumb, and all the people are like oh you're a little baby let me treat you like a little baby
1: well i mean doesn't that happen to storm too we talked about that where she was like i grew up as a goddess and i don't need to wear clothes because i'm a goddess when it's like clearly listen storm you you understand how the world works you just feel like not wearing clothes because of male gaze That's what's happening here.
0: And this is something that always kind of bothered me because in my view of history of humans... Clothes were not a modesty thing. Clothes were a protection thing. Correct! You, you put on clothes so that you wouldn't get like stuck by the twigs and bushes as you ran through the forest. Yeah. There was to keep you from injuring yourself, not to hide yeah. your boobs.
1: Well, or or not, as the case may be.
0: Keep, keep those on display, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on to the fifth and final, appropriately, for the, the, the fifth element, you would say. The
1: fifth element, of yes. Of
0: witchiness. So the fifth element of witchiness is that the witch inqu- question be bonded to a sentience larger than themselves can you tell me if and how lilu is bonded to a sentience larger than herself
1: well i'm gonna say yes at the end of the film she is bonded to a sentience larger than herself in order to become the weapon to fight the great evil, but she is technically also a larger sentience in herself. She is a supreme being. And then she bonds to the to the lower elemental stones. So she's kind of bonded to a sentience, but like in reverse where she's a sentience and she bonds to the lower elementals. So that's kind of cool.
0: Yeah, and the five of them together are a great power.
1: Great power. Big old fireball.
0: They're Captain Planet.
1: No more evil. They're <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) She's
0: Um, Heart, the one that can uh talk to monkeys.
1: (laughs) Right, yes.
0: Everyone always hated on Heart, but Heart got through when they needed to do stuff.
1: You're not going to be able to save the world from great evil unless you can talk to monkeys.
0: It was the least flashy of the powers, but they always needed a situation where like, oh, we can't see through that forest fire, and we can't use the fire ring to put out the fire, so let's just use heart to talk to a toucan and have the toucan fly over the fire. It's like, yeah, that's a very helpful power. It's a it's very just helpful power. It doesn't show very well during the opening title sequence of the show. Word. Alright, so we've made our cases for Leia and Lilu. Yes. why they are both witches. They are both definitely witches. Definitely. Let's just check off all five boxes right there. Witches. So, let's talk about your coven for a second, Regina. Mm-hmm. You can only have Leia or Lilu in your coven. Which one do you choose?
1: Oh, this is tough. This is tough because Because on the one hand, who wouldn't want the political acumen and savvy of Leia Organa in their coven? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot that Leia brings to the table.
0: She has so much life experience. She's been through pretty much every catastrophe you can imagine and come out through the other side.
1: Yeah, if we ever needed to save the world for some reason, pretty much she'd be really great. On the other hand, LILU also saved the world with her powers and she's... A larger sentience. So, for those in the coven who aren't necessarily down with a lot of other deities, you, you could just bring in Lilu, and when you practice together, you'll be bonded with this larger sentience, and all of a sudden, your witch bona fides are like way up there. I don't know. I I think I think Lilu is awesome, but I think probably I would I would recruit Leia into my coven.
0: So I hadn't thought of this until. You just started to say that, but I'm going to think of them in terms of, like, our D&D party, basically. Okay, all right. L- like, Lilu is the chaotic one who doesn't really know what the situation is, but will run in and use the best of her ability and almost always save the day. Mm-hmm. But you're not sure how. Whereas Leia has been around the block a few times and is a master strategist and will think about everything on their way through, maybe not as much as Tor in our group because it, that's overdone.
1: Yes, a little bit less. Maybe
0: I don't want to keep this in the episode. <laughs> maybe I don't want to leave this part in.
1: No, no, I think it's good. You just got to backtrack a little bit. So, so,
0: so, so Leia is the one who will really think about things before acting. Yes. And will help your coven talk through the ramifications of whatever spell you cast. Right. Whereas Lilu is the one who will be like, here, borrow my energy. Let's blow things up.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I feel like as far as my coven is concerned, having someone who's a little bit more level headed and able to talk through that strategy is going to be really helpful because I think if I were to have Lilu in my coven, there would be a, a lot more catastrophe and fireballs happening all the time. You'd hear about it on the news. It would be really destructive. So
0: if you want a bombastic, wild, exciting coven, mm-hmm. you go for Lilu. Correct. If you want a carefully plotted, effective coven, mm-hmm. you go for Leia. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, Lilu sounds like the much more fun way to go.
1: I think that that's probably what you need in your coven.
0: Yeah, and that's where I feel bad because... There's no way I'm not choosing Leia. There's just no way I'm
1: not choosing Leia. You just can't.
0: I have essentially made the argument for why not to choose Leia, but I'm choosing Leia because she will get things done. She will do everything in her power to have the best possible outcome and make sure everybody uses their skills to the best of the greater good.
1: And you need that in a coven. You need somebody who's going to be able to figure out figure out those things. It's important. So we've done our coven recruitment. Sorry, Lilu. We really appreciate you saving the world as a big old fireball. But it looks like Leia Organa is going to be invited into both of our covens. I
0: think I know where Lilu would fit in much better, though.
1: Probably the Cauldron Cabaret.
0: Ah, that sounds lovely. Yeah, how do you think... Leia and Lilu would fit in at this social happening hot spot of, of witchiness.
1: Lilu would have a great time because
0: all of these experiences would be new for her.
1: Yeah, and I feel like she would really enjoy dancing and socializing with the other witches. She would learn a lot, and that would be important to her. I think Leia does a lot of serious business. <laughs> serious business, you know. And having the Cauldron Cabaret to go to when at the end of a long day of saving the world and doing logistics, it's nice to hang out and have a cocktail and watch the show.
0: I can very much see General Organa taking on the sort of Han Solo role in the cantina. Yes. And kind of just rolling up to a table where there are some people not being boisterous, but having like a chill evening and just kicking her feet up, ordering whatever the sloshiest drink they have is. <laughs> knocking them back and sharing war stories. And just generally letting her hair down. Because oh my goodness, does she deserve to let her hair down? It's always in some really tight braid.
1: It is. Always in a very elaborate hairstyle. She deserves some hair yeah. down time.
0: I, I don't see Leia performing on stage. Oh, absolutely I don't not. see her sort of being a hostess or anything like that. I see her being the model patron. Absolutely. Just Hanging out, relaxing, having a drink, telling stories, like getting people to really listen to these in-depth stories. Whereas
1: I feel like Lulu probably would have a set on stage. She would probably have a great time. Oh, definitely, with it, you know.
0: I mean, not nearly as much as that that wonderful operatic performance in The Fifth Element with that weird blue mm, lady, with
1: Plava Laguna. Plava
0: Laguna. But yeah, Lulu would definitely, when she sees that there is the opportunity to perform on stage, she would jump up without even an act prepared. She she would be like, yes, yes, lights, everybody look at me now.
1: Lights. multi Multipass. Yeah, I would definitely be at the Cauldron Cabaret for the Lilu Dallas Multipass show. Can't miss
0: that. I can definitely see Leia joining the table where Hermione and Zatanna are sharing stories of their hard times raising chosen ones and whatnot. I can oh, yeah. definitely see Leia being like, oh boy, you have not met my brother. He <laughs> is a handful.
1: But, and, and I feel like, Ah, oh, It'd be so great because Leia would be a really good role model for both Hermione and Zatanna for them reaching their full potential and also having to kind of corral these chosen ones that are maybe need a little help you know?
0: Yeah, I feel like for every instance of Hermione saying, oh, Harry won't do this, Harry wouldn't do that. Leia would just be like, oh, let me tell you about Han Solo. One time I told him I loved him. And he was like, yeah, I know. And I was like, okay, cool. Peace out. (laughs) that would be a really fun pair up. Who do you see Lilu hanging out with? Who would be a fun companion for Lilu?
1: I feel like Lilu the first thought I had was Lilu would have fun with the Sanderson sisters. That was
0: my first thought too. I was like they would goof off so much together. Lilu would look at the finger lightning and be like, ooh, do it again, yes. do it again. Yes,
1: and I feel like uh just in general, their attitudes would really mesh well together. They would have a great time.
0: Because they're all about the instant gratification.
1: Absolutely, and I feel like because Lilu is a sentience, they would probably work together to do some kind of wacky plan that we would mm-hmm. see the ramifications of down the road, which may or may not be um, terrible, but it would be entertaining for sure. Because
0: I think Lilu doesn't quite have the concept in her mind of ramifications for her actions.
1: Probably not. And
0: the Sandersons straight up don't give up. flip. They about don't. It. So they would have a blast together.
1: Absolutely. And I also think that as far as like if there was a little witch mentorship program going on, I think Storm and Lilu would really be a good pair because. Storm grew up essentially a goddess and let's be honest that's what Lilu is technically mm-hmm. and I feel like Storm would be able to help guide her to figure out how to live as a goddess in the mortal world and kind of deal with that so I think that they would they would be good together they would you know Storm would be a good influence on Lilu in that
0: respect well that about wraps things up for this episode of which which is which
1: now that you've heard what we have to say what do you think Who would you invite into your coven? Let us know at whichwitchcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at whichwitchcast.
0: That's W-H-I-C-H-W-I-T-C-H-C-A-S-T. Don't anger the elder gods. Subscribe to Witch is Witch on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, wherever your pods are cast.
1: Until then, live long and prosper. Oh, wait, that's 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 the wrong space, people.